Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 405. Today is February 27th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, we're about to close out another month and getting towards the end of earnings season announcements. The market's come down quite a bit from its highs earlier in the year. It looks like the relief rally that everyone was so excited about, and especially the reopening of China and the fading of inflation and all the things that were hyped up at the beginning of the year, it looks like that narrative is coming to a close. There's more pessimism building, and I don't think it's necessarily just pessimism. I think it's based on realism. People are starting to come to the conclusion that corporate profits are declining, that wage inflation is not dissipating quickly enough, and that the Federal Reserve is more than likely going to keep moving interest rates higher until they get to a much more restrictive state than they are currently. I put out a chart on Friday after the market closed, and I showed the overall downtrend of the market. And the reason I did this, I mean, it's obvious if you look at the chart, you can see this on your own, but I've heard from so many people lately, which have been really expressing a lot of fear of missing out about how well the market had done, you know, these first six to eight weeks of the year. And they're concerned that they're missing out on the start of a new rally. And so I put a chart out like that to show that, yes, although there was a very strong recovery, that if you zoom out a little bit and you compare that to where we were, then the S&P 500 and the other markets are simply failing to break out at every attempt. So going all the way back to last January, January of 2022, that's when the market peaked. And each subsequent time after that, and I don't have the chart in front of me, but I think there's been five or six of them, each time the markets fail to break out and we have a series of lower highs. And as I look at that chart, what really comes to mind to me is that we're on thin ice. And the warning sign to me that we are on thin ice is that price volume action in the markets, where despite the hype and the enthusiasm, each rally ends up fizzling out. Now, I've been talking a lot about how these corporate profits are causing valuations to be extremely high, and so people think they're buying at a lower price because the stock price is lower, say, today than it was a year ago. But in reality, the stocks are more expensive based on valuations. Well, I'm not going to belabor that point in this episode, but I do want to focus on the fact that the S&P 500 keeps petering out and pretty much at the same levels. And in fact, that resistance level has actually moved up, and it's something more like probably 3,900 to 4,000, 4,050, somewhere around that range. And if you pull up a chart, you'll see that whenever the S&P 500 tries to get above that level, it may break out and go up you know, to 4,100 or maybe a little higher. It stays there for a couple days, but then it fails. Now, in a typical recovery, it's where we have a V-shaped recovery, that's a single bottom, or more of a W pattern, that that's a recovery from a double bottom. Whenever you have those type of advances in the market from a decline, although the market never goes up in a straight line, it does tend to decisively break out above key resistance levels. These are things that you've heard me talk about many times, just very simple technical analysis, looking at the 50-day moving average or the 200-day moving average, just for example. Well, we're not seeing that decisive breakout this time. And in fact, it's rare, it's very rare, that you see the market fail to break out decisively for so long. 
And it's been my experience that when you get that diddling around at that 50 or 200 day moving average, that the market is more likely to go down than it is to go up. And that's what happens when a bubble bursts, like in the 2008 financial crisis or in the dot-com bubble. What concerns me even more about the situation we're in right now is that this lackadaisical technical structure that we have has absolutely no fundamental support. Look at the earnings announcements that have come out, and there are very few companies that are actually reporting an increase in earnings and, even more importantly, a better outlook for the future. Now, that's hard to recognize in the media because everything is reported as companies having positive earnings announcements because the the quote will be something like, better than expected earnings. But better than expected doesn't mean they're better earnings. One quick example is NVIDIA. I saw the headline, it came out, that they announced better than expected earnings. The stock ought to bounce up. But if you dig down into the numbers, you'll see that the earnings that they reported when comparing last quarter to the same quarter 12 months earlier, that their net operating profit was down by 52%. And it's not just semiconductor companies like NVIDIA. It's across the entire spectrum of the economy, from Home Depot to Walmart to Berkshire Hathaway. There's very little good news in terms of future outlook on profitability. So when I talk about my concerns or I say that I think we're on thin ice, it's not just a gut reaction. It's not just an emotional response. I don't like what I see in the data. So that's why I think we're on thin ice. And I was going to talk a little bit more about that concept of thin ice. But then I remembered a podcast that addressed this issue. And this is way back in the fall of 2014. And so just to reminisce and for a little bit of fun, I thought I'd play you an excerpt of that. And then I want to close out with a little bit of analysis about how relevant that content still is today. So take a listen to this. This was recorded September 10th, 2014. I've spent a lot of my life living in cold weather climates. I've spent some time in hot weather climates as well. But I've lived in Erie, Pennsylvania. I've lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah. And what you have in cold weather climates is a hobby called ice fishing. So whenever the ponds and the lakes and the reservoirs freeze over, each fall and all the way through spring, you'll see people out on the water ice fishing. They'll put up little tents. They drill holes in the ice. They they bring a stove into their tent and they sit out there and ice fish and drink beer. Well, as it gets colder and colder as you go from the fall into the winter and the ice gets really hard and freezes, you'll see people get more daring. First, they just walk out onto the ice and then maybe they pull a sled out And then you'll see them driving their snow machines out onto the ice. And then as it gets bitter cold, you'll see them out there in their pickup trucks and their SUVs. And they'll be out there every weekend when it's bitter cold with these four-wheel drive trucks and SUVs. And then as you get closer to spring, as it starts warming up, you'll see less of these heavy vehicles out there. It'll just go back to the snow machines and then back to the sleds and then just back to individuals walking out there. You see, people know that if you're on thin ice, you risk the chance of falling through. You don't want to walk out onto the ice until you're sure that it's built up several inches thick. You don't want to fall through to the cold water. You don't want to take your snow machine or your truck out onto the ice unless you know there's probably, you know, 12 inches of ice built up there. You don't want your $30,000 truck ending up in the bottom of the pond. So you act with wisdom. You act with patience. You act with certainty. You walk out onto the ice. You drill a test hole. 
you see how sturdy the ice appears. And if you're real cautious, you wait until your neighbor drives his truck out first, right? But you know what? No matter where I've lived, every year, I see a snow machine or a pickup truck or some SUV where somebody either went out too early in the fall on thin ice or it was late into the spring and the ice was too thin and it cracked and their vehicle fell through. Well, that's the way you have to look at the stock market. You have to watch out for thin ice. You have to watch out for these warning signs. Don't be afraid to take profits. Don't be afraid to sit on the sidelines for a little while and observe what's going on. If you're going to work or you're going to a cocktail party or you're going out in the golf course and people are bragging to you about all the money they're making in something like a, a new initial public offering, like GoPro, for example. GoPro has been out for a few weeks. It's doing extremely well. But at the end of the day, it's a camera that you strap onto your body. And, and yes, GoPro is a good brand name. It has a good following, but it's not a consumable device. They don't have the best software out there. For that matter, they don't have the best camera out there. There are very limited barriers to entry when you look at all the electronic manufacturers that are hungry to come into to new markets. Just name a few off in your head. Sony, Casio, Canon. These are just a few brands I can think of off the top of my head that have been stagnant that will do anything to move into a new market. Are you telling me that if they think that that GoPro market is feasible and viable, that they couldn't easily crank out a little camera that's as good, better, better software, and a lower cost? In my opinion, they absolutely could. And so my forecast for GoPro, and again, this is strictly educational, just throwing something out there. I have no interest, neither short or long, nor do any of my clients that I'm aware of in GoPro stock, but I'm just making an observation. I think within six months of the IPO, when insiders can start selling their shares, you'll see a major correction in that stock. I'm just putting that out there as an example so you can understand how some of these IPOs work. And again, IPO is initial public offering, for those of you that might not be familiar with it. It's a risky business, so don't feel bad that you didn't double your money in GoPro, because it would have been just as easy for you to lose half your money. Remember, the ice could be thin. You don't know what's out there. Yeah, your buddy, he drove his truck out there, he caught some nice perch, but if his truck had broken through that ice, he wouldn't have been laughing. When the market's at all-time highs, when you have initial public offerings, and other stocks that are selling for incredibly high multiples, you have to ask yourself, is this too early in the fall or too late in the spring? Is it not cold enough? Is it not bitter enough to freeze that ice all the way through? Am I at risk at falling through? Just be cautious. Just be patient. Well, how about that? That was episode 25 of the Wellsteading Podcast. And that kind of commentary is evergreen. It's just as relevant now as it was way back then. And I got to tell you personally... I could just listen to that guy talk all day. And it's not only his wit and wisdom, but his ideas have made me a lot of money over the years, and I just wish he'd put out more content. And how about that reference to GoPro? Now, a lot of you listening to the podcast right now are probably saying, what the heck is GoPro? Yeah, because nobody talks or thinks about it anymore. But back in 2014, GoPro was a big deal. It was an initial public offering. It was the merging of a technology company with an old analog-type application. Oh, it was going to the moon. Yeah, how'd that work out? Not much differently than something like Peloton, which was hyped up to extraordinary levels during the pandemic hysteria. You know, Peloton, it's a technology company that merges social media and exercise and fitness. It's going to the moon. 
No, it wasn't a revolutionary technology company. It was simply an overhyped exercise bike. And just like all exercise bikes, they run their course until the next Oprah fad diet comes out, and then they sit in the corner of a room and they become a coat hanger. The examples of overhyped stocks are innumerable, and whether it's GoPro or Peloton or just recently ChatGPT, there's always a flavor of the month, and you have to be careful trading on that enthusiasm because eventually you'll run out of a greater fool that's willing to pay that premium. Well, hey, in any case, that's my thoughts for now. I think we're on thin ice. I don't think the stock market is recovering or in a rally mode at all. I think at best it's going to stagnate, and at worst, it's going to go a lot lower. Well, hey, I can't predict the future, so we'll have to wait and see how things turn out. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.